everyone, this is Rise Up, AAPI Excellence, a podcast devoted to celebrating the experiences, challenges, and success of the Asian, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander community. I am your host, Dr. Xuan Wong Wolf. Welcome, everyone. I'm very pleased today to be joined by my guest, Jonette Ipbal founder and CEO of nodegree.com. How are you today, Jonet? I'm doing well, and thank you so much for having me. And I look to provide a lot of value to your audience. Thank you so much for um, joining us today. So uh, could you tell a little bit of, uh, about yourself? Yeah, so I help people without college degrees find meaningful jobs that pay well. I'm the founder of nodegree.com and host of the No Degree podcast, where I interview people without college degrees and have them share their stories. So it's something I'm very passionate about. I'm very passionate about the education, the career industry, because I think it has a lot of impact on people. And I just want to make a statement that I'm not anti-education and I'm not anti-degree. I just think people need to be smart about it. And I do think that sometimes it can't, the cost can get really excessive for some people. Yeah, this is um, great work that you have been doing. And, um, you know, in the current workforce, a lot of, you know, the responsibilities and requirements um, are actually, you know, uh, like you said earlier, can be uh, um, acquired on the job, right? Yeah. And it's mainly skills-based. Um, and so tell us a little bit more about how you w- would coach the participants in your um, workshops and, and nodegree.com. So a lot of it, I focus on content. But if I'm working with someone, I'll tell them to focus either get a certification, work on projects, read a lot of books, and be proactive. That I've seen a lot of people, right? They'll graduate college and they'll almost never read a book again. Mm-hmm. So why is that person more qualified and given preference over someone who may not have gone to college but has read a lot of books? So what right. I would always tell people is like, whatever you want to learn. Make sure start reading industry news, start reading, following industry trends, start reading the books, start following the authors, listen to podcasts. There's so many ways and it really differs by industry. Like if you want to learn sales, right, maybe you want to start reading books on sales. Maybe you want to start selling small things. Maybe you want to get even like a small job where you're selling a little here and there and understanding the business. And the other thing is a lot of skills are transferable. So I'll work with a lot of people and kind of tell them to focus on the things that are transferable because collaboration, communication, how you manage situations. So there's so much. And, you know, I'm really a big advocate of convincing companies to show that you got to look deeper because oftentimes they use, they hire people based on signals, right? You went to mm-hmm. school, you went to college, you went to, you know, what school you went, what you majored in. But the fact is some people, some of the best candidates, right? The people who are the most passionate don't have those signals because let's say you've done something for 10 years and you're extremely passionate about a new area, right? You may not have the ability to go to school for four years, but you're doing everything you can in your time. You're doing whatever you can. These types of candidates, right? They're not that many, but they're high quality candidates that get eliminated because they don't meet the traditional candidate standards. Mm -hmm. Right. Especially in the current workforce, they're um, based on the recent report, you know, um, a large portion are, of our uh, workforce, um, you know, candidates who are approaching their retirement age, but, you know, they sort of postpone it, right, and continue in the workforce and then, you know, acquiring new skills, 
reskilling, upskilling, or, you know, like you said, transitioning to completely different fields. And then, um, you know, the best way to learn is, you know, on the go and then, you know, grasp as much uh, various uh, multiple aspects of what's needed as possible. Yeah, you always have to spend time learning because it's like the things that are relevant 50 years ago are not as relevant today. If you look at the companies that are big even 10 years ago, it's a different mm -hmm. thing and it'll be a different thing 10 years from now. So you always have to stay on the edge of your toes. Right. Well said. Um, so based on our previous conversations that you were working as a um, actual analyst yeah. yes. before you venture into entrepreneurship and um, founded uh, nodegree.com. Would you like to share a little bit of your experience? Yeah, so look, I've always been an entrepreneur, right? Like I resold sneakers. I like flipped, I sold phones, right? I used to buy phones on <laughs> Craigslist and then I used to try to sell it, make like $30 because that was a lot of money in high school. I tutored, right? I was, I went to a good high school and I was very good at math. So I used to tutor for uh -huh. money and that's what I did for college that's how I you know afforded things paid for gas and stuff and so I've always been an entrepreneur always I'm always thinking reading right but I don't come from a wealthy family so I need I couldn't afford to be an entrepreneur because I also didn't have the right I, I didn't have the idea that something scalable at the time mm -hmm. I found nodegree.com in 2014 when I was working when I was actually in grad school in my second semester and that's when I found it. So while I would love to work on it full time, it takes time to sort of right, build a company. I needed a job just to sort of get some money, get some savings. Parent thing too. Like I know my parents would have bothered me all the time, right? And so I kind of was thinking I'll like I'll get a job and I'll build it on the side. Mm -hmm. Now as an actuary, you have to study hundreds of hours for each exam. The first few exams take like 100 to 300 hours of studying. So I passed two exams. I passed one before I started working, one while I was working. Eventually came to a point where I figured out the business model. I figured out what I wanted to do. I was like, I needed to leave this industry because I could either spend hundreds of hours on a career that I was going to leave anyway or mm -hmm. hundreds of hours into my business. And I knew one I was more passionate about and one I it just made me happy. I was excited about. So I left to another job because it was just a regular nine to five because I didn't have to study outside the job, right? I didn't have to study for exams two to three hours every night. Mm -hmm. Then I eventually, I worked for a startup and eventually I was just like, look, I got to do this full time. I cashed out my small retirement, not, not much, 20,000. I took the penalties and stuff. I lived at home. So that made a big difference. I, you know, I tell a lot of people, if you look at a lot of entrepreneurs, they come from pretty wealthy backgrounds. So do things to allow you to take more risk because entrepreneurship is risky. So if I had to pay rent, if I had to take care of certain things, I would not have been able to do what I do. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, it took 18 months to really make money. I didn't really make money for the first 18 months. And but then after that, I started making decent money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the first, you know, obviously the first even few years for some entrepreneurs might be, um, you know, a um, little tougher, right? But I resonate so much with you um, when you shared a little about your background growing up uh, without uh, that much of a, you know, in terms of materials, right? Yeah. You know, without that much of a, you know, financial support um, from family. I'm, I'm coming from the similar uh, background that kind yeah. of uh, sort of uh, you know shakes a little bit of uh, the typical stereotypical um, you know um, the the in, in myth or imagination of Asians yeah. being you know 
well off or growing up in a, an affluent family has yeah. all kinds of support, right? Um, yeah, I mean, especially um, you figure out everything on your own. And, and I'm just curious how um, um, you come up in, you know, like a sort of um, constructing your business model. So I was on Reddit in 2014, someone asked for those of you without a college degree who make over six figures, what do you do and how'd you get the job? And people are like, I'm a claims adjuster. I'm an x-ray technician. I'm this type mm -hmm. of technician. I'm a surveyor. I'm an elevator repair person. And none of these jobs, like people don't grow up and say, I want to be a claims adjuster when I grow up. I want to survey highways when I grow up, right? People <laughs> say doctor, lawyer, engineer, bus driver, whatever, police officer. Right. So I was thinking about, and all the answers, they talk about how they got these jobs. It was like my uncle, my cousin, my friend, mm. my teacher. I was, they yeah. came to my school. It was all right place, right time. It was mm -hmm. not like I researched this career and this is how I got it. So I was thinking like, why can't I be that uncle, cousin, or friend? Why can't I be the person who teaches them? Because what I found is a lot of people just don't know about the opportunities. Like I've worked in fast food. I've worked in, like I worked at Popeye's in the ninth grade. I worked at like the Barnes and Nobles cafe where I made the little Starbucks drinks. And, you know, there were plenty of people who were very hardworking, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. But they just didn't know about a lot of opportunities out there, right? Like sometimes even getting a job as a security guard where you have just, you know, you get a few dollars more an hour and you get some things, you get overtime. They just didn't know about these opportunities. So I was like, why can't I be the person that teaches these people about opportunities? Because the thing is, look, Google is a very powerful search engine. But a search engine is as powerful as the person doing the searching. So if you don't know what to search, you how do you search something you don't know? Right? Mm -hmm. If you know, hey, I want to be an x-ray tech, I can start a certification, I can search the process. But if you don't know, that's a job that you can realistically get. You're not going to search for it in the first place. So right. then I was like, I need to become a content create. You know, I need to create a lot of content, need to learn marketing, need to learn SEO. And that, you know, then you just go down the rabbit hole that could take, you know, I could speak hours about. That's, um, that's a wonderful experience and helping, you know, um, the large workforce finding their calling, right? Yeah. Without even themselves knowing that they could do it. That's, um, I think that's, that's um, like magic. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, so, so I want to circle back about what we talked about um, earlier when I um, um, shared a little bit about my experience in growing yeah. up without lots, right? How yeah. to basically walk your uh, worked hard and then yeah. fight your way and then yeah. you know become sort of something right yeah, yeah, yeah. um you know be independent not have to you know rely on well there's nothing to rely on really yeah. right um yeah so um do you have you uh, noticed anything you know in um you know collaborating sort of uh, connecting the workforce with the employers is there anything like um let's uh, just say surrounding um, you know, Asian community that that some that seems a little bit alarming to you. Yeah, you know what it is. So I'll tell you one thing I see a lot of people in the Asian community. Personally, I experience and this, you know, and it's also the general job seeking community. Is that the soft skills are not worked on, you know, because a lot of time, what, are, what do my parents say? Go to a good school, do good in school, all these hard things, get good grades, study, study, study. They don't say learn how to present learn how to communicate, learn how to relate to people. So a lot of job seekers, they'll do these things and then realize like, you know, you have to know how to interview. You have to know how to get referrals. You have to know how to connect with people. And mm -hmm. what I've seen is a lot of younger people don't know how to have conversations with people 
older than them and who are in mentorship positions. Like I'll tell you, I mentor a lot of kids and I literally tell them, please reach out if you need help with your resume. I won't charge you. Like, you know, I met you in a different capacity. You're not a <laughs> client. Like none of them reach out. And that's a big thing. Like only a handful reach out or they'll reach out like a year later after I find out they're working like fast food or something. And I'll be like, why are you working there? Like I could have got you like an office job. I could have got you something that's working for your future. So a lot of times they just don't reach out to people in their circle. Right. And they don't know how to ask them questions. Like I'll literally tell them, look, if you ask me, like I, I'm in my head, I'm thinking, just ask me, ask me. Cause the thing is, I don't like necessarily giving unsolicited advice as much because what happens is I, I used to do it a lot. It just goes in one ear out the other. So when people ask, I'm ready to give. But if you don't ask, so that's one thing I kind of see. The other thing, unfortunately, I've seen this in hiring. You're, you're Asian. Um, and, you know, I was even reading something today that okay. there's a lot of discrimination and there's a lot of bias in hiring, right? There's a lot of things you go online. If you look at leadership positions, like Asians will get a lot of positions, but they can't, you know, they talk about the bamboo ceiling, right? You know, it's interesting. Right. The person who wrote the book, The Bamboo Ceiling, went to my high school and I connected with her on LinkedIn, <laughs> right? Janet. Yeah. Jen? Yeah. 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 So she's going to be on my live show in, you know, some part of 2022 or something. She's pretty busy. But awesome. a lot of people have to realize these things. And the, it's tough. It's sad because, look, I used to be an actuary. And I used to see the Asians, they used to have four or five exams, right? And these are people who are looking for their first job, not even internships, right? They have two, three internships, and they're still struggling to land a job. And then I've seen people who are, you know, white, you know, one, two exams, no internships, or maybe one internship, and they're, mm -hmm. landing, an in they're landing a job, right? I, I even saw it, like, I gave a resume to someone that I worked with, you know, who was the head of the program. I handed the resume. The person had two exams. Didn't even get an interview, right? And it's okay. Mm -hmm. I understand if they don't pass the interview. They didn't even. Then I found out someone who was no exams got an internship. And then you really start to think, like, what is it? Like, how does that happen? And, you know, I, I, I've seen people who was like, they're trying to break into the financial space, right? And if you're Asian, they're all like Harvard, Columbia, Yale, right? PhDs, masters. And then you'll see, like, white people from a different demographic. They'll see University of Nebraska. And mm -hmm. look, look, I'm not like they have to go to a certain school, but when these are the metrics that you're using to judge everybody and i'm not a big fan of those metrics right there mm -hmm. are multiple ways to judge but when these are the metrics it's hard to kind of compete when people are playing a different game like i've seen all the time where you know there are resume studies for names right if you have i've seen i've seen people do it like they change their name they've whitewashed their right, names, right. right like they change their name to Jay, right? Like I've never changed my name, but they change their name to Jay and, you know, something like that. And all of a sudden they get more interviews and it's really sad that mm -hmm. people have to do that. So, you know, what I encourage a lot of people to do is really work on those soft skills, right? Really work on those communication skills, really build your network, really start connecting with people because the only way to sort of solve it is to get up into those positions so that it is normal so that when you do have power and you can make hiring decisions that you are more fair, because the fact is, most people, they tend to refer their friends, and most people's friends are the same race as them. They refer to people who went to their schools, and their sororities and frats, mm -hmm. who are the same race as them. So a lot of time, it's just due to the nature of things, right? It's not like people are outright racist, but it's this bias, who they hang out with. So you have to kind of get involved, right? Get referrals, connect with people to really make a difference. It's sad, but... It takes time to sort of make change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, indeed. 
Yeah, it was really interesting. Yeah, um, when you mentioned about the candidates, right, into job uh, seekers, whitewash um, their names, ch- changing them from their original name. Um, you know, for example, their parents or their friends call them to something that's more within the Western culture. For example, Jane, John, um, yeah. Emily, right? Very Anglo-Saxon names, yeah. right? Um, that's within the target culture. And then sometimes they put in a preferred name or nickname, yeah. but in the official documents, is there, you know, still original name? Um, yeah. It's just really um, sad, you know, for uh, people from the minority group had to minority group have to go through that to sort of get. Um, not ahead even just sort of get similar you know yeah. interviewing opportunities in the first place um no, yeah it's sad so- because it's like you know you don't need to believe me just google resume studies what they do is they take the same exact resumes they change the name and then they do studies and they have statistical value right they apply to new jobs and you know all of a sudden there are more you know more callbacks and then you know it happens to a lot of black people i was reading one thing today that a black person with a felony I mean, uh, a white person with a felony has a higher chance of getting a job than a black person with experience and no felony. And then at that point, it's a, it's like such a different game. How do you compete? You know, it's like, I, you know, the example I give is you're studying. You're studying as hard as you can, and you find out the teacher gives the, an- gives the test bank with the questions to someone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some people say work hard, work hard, but it's, it's really hard when some people are just, you know, they're starting right. close to home plate, and right, you're starting right. behind home plate. It's so hard to compete. Right, right. It's like in a running race and people yeah. already half over, you know, yeah. to the finishing line, then we just, you know, get started there at the, yeah. At the beginning. Um, yeah, totally. When, um, you know, it's kind of like a systematic and a structural change needs to be uh, made, needs to be yeah. transformed, right? And then the, the certain uh, criteria, uh, hidden, right? Very, very invisible criteria. It's people invisible. Hold. So it's so hard exactly. to see. And, you know, the thing is invisible things. That's why, like, you know, things like mental health and all that stuff, they're kind of hidden. But when you look at large, the beauty is they can be quantified because you can take mm-hmm. large data sets and look at the trends. And then, you know, it. then you start seeing patterns. And then from those patterns, and it, but the hard thing is it's really hard to pinpoint on an individual level. Like, was this person or this and that? And, I mean, sometimes you can blatantly see it. Like, I've seen it all the time where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, some bosses, they're, it's they only promote all their all their interns are pretty females, right? And it's oh, wow. obvious, right? I've seen it happen, right? And you know some companies are known for ha- sort of having a certain industries, right? And it's it's just unfortunate that there's you know this bias, but you know we just have to do our part to just make sure we get into positions and don't replicate that bias. Mm-hmm, exactly, especially for HR professionals, right? There's a large percentage of um, you know. Um, of the dominant culture, basically yeah. white people in the hiring yeah. industry, you know, obviously there's a higher, like you said earlier, what they have experience from the, based on where they grew up, their background, their culture yeah. background, right? People that interact with, if you don't know many people from minority groups, you know, people of color, people from, um, you know, speaking different yeah. languages with multiple cultural backgrounds, really you will feel like um, you're yeah. like likely to get yeah, interviewed, yeah, yeah. even though it's a qualified, glamorous, yeah, you know, yeah. credentials, right? Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it's it's so true. Like I've seen it and like my my friend worked at a at an organization and they asked the integral, hey, you know, we want to have be more diverse and hire mm-hmm. a different cool. And, you know, we keep on getting the similar type of candidate. She's just straight up told me, he's like, you got to stop hiring white guys. 
And it, it got awkward, <laughs> but she was correct, right? In the sense of, like, you know, you tend to only hire, like, a certain group of people. And it, it has to change, right? And it's not right. like saying don't hire white people. It's exactly. Just, be just more open to realizing that. And honestly, I think, like, you got to think about the thing. So names cost bias. So when people look mm -hmm. at, at resumes, chop out the names. Chop, chop it off. Like, just don't check. So that when you do select, I like this resume. I like this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, I, you know, another thing is there's also bias. And I was reading for law firm, like law firms, right? What they do is, yes, you could go to the same law school or whatever, but then they look at your activities. So they start choosing people who did horseback riding or who played crew versus if you did track or you did certain things. So it's just sad how bias, like, you, you know, you have to think about what triggers this bias and then try to remove it. Because unfortunately, look, we are all biased in some capacity, unfortunately, right? We try our best. We try our best to be better. So it's best to, to make better decisions. We want to like remove the bias and figure out the triggers that cause bias so that it can be a more fair process. Exactly. Yeah, talking about bias, I was reading the other study. I was actually conducted in a Canadian university talking about um, reviewing uh, basically a group of people as a focus group, reviewing like the audio sound recordings of um, yeah. <laughs> interviewees and candidates, and then determining if they are um, uh, basically if they're actually Canadians or, you know, yeah. North Americans, right? And, and then before they know their names, Every 99%, you know, are rated like, oh, yeah, native speaker, English speaker, you know, from Canada or yeah. from US. But once they realize, so the next step is they are reviewed of yeah. the candidates' names. Uh. And those with Asian names within the AAPI community are rated much lower in terms of whether they are likely to yeah, be considered yeah. native speakers. But actually, in reality, they are born raised there, they, have, they speak perfect English, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's just, yeah, like you said, with the name somehow compare yeah. before and afterwards, so the sound recording is the same. Yeah. You know, I've seen it all the time. Like they say to review uh, a piece and it's written by a man and once by a woman and all of a sudden they find more errors in the woman. They don't uh -huh. rate it as high. So it, it's tough. Like um, it's going to, it's a long road. Like it's not something that'll be fixed overnight. It's something that's always a work in progress. And you know, that's like one thing for my company is like a lot of discrimination comes from just people, how they grew up, right? A lot of people uh, who go to college tend to come from middle-class backgrounds or higher, or they have a support system. Like, you know, who knows where I would be if my parents didn't value education, if they didn't send me to tutoring. Like I've seen it time and time again, like there are parents who simply don't value education and they actively work against you it's tough mm -hmm. right so yeah, it's like that's sad. and sometimes it's hard right if you have good parents because i know like i know parents who pay over a hundred dollars an hour for tutoring mm -hmm. and you know those kids they end up you know okay like they never have to worry they don't have to worry about financial things they don't have to worry but if you don't have that what do you do you right you're literally starting behind right because right, they right. show that even from preschool they can predict a lot of things like what preschool you go to determines like where you go and you know it just shows how things start so early right right like uh, you, you have to go to the right um like elementary school the middle school high school right that was yeah. the maybe the feeders for the ivy league and so all i that. i think the schools aren't as important as the parents and their the investments their of connections the parents, you know the parents 
like if you have a parent that's willing to spend that much money, there are a certain type of parent that values a certain thing and they truly care about your future. So I think that's even more important in the school. So it's like the type of parents who thinks about sending their kid to right preschool is already the type mm-hmm. of parent who's making sure that they're doing X, Y, Z, that everything's right. taken care of, who has money, who has time, who has resources. I think that's like the bigger indicator than even the school, right? Because a lot of things, it's just their parents really have a big impact on where you end up in life. Mm-hmm. Right. Too bad that not every person um, in this whole wide world have that luxury of yeah. you know, <laughs> being born into the right family with that right resources, right? Connections, yeah. network. No, it makes a big difference. Yeah, indeed. Um, well, it was it was awesome. It was <laughs> um, wonderful talking with you. And then thank you so much for sharing um, your experiences, your insights and perspectives with our audience. No, thank um, you so much. I hope the audience finds it you know, valuable. I hope they can do their own research and I hope they can mm-hmm. take the information and either if they're in a managerial position, really change things, or if they're not, they understand what they are up against and what they can do to set themselves apart because look while it is tough it is still possible and you know unfortunately yes these are valid you know things that you can say but at the end of the day it's like just work harder to sort of get these positions because at the end of the day you sort of once you get into those positions you can make such a big difference yeah yeah exactly once we ascend we can help make the world a better place, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Audience, please sharpen, you know, any skills that you need, right? Social skills, leadership skills, and also be sure to ask for help when needed because, yeah. you know, all of us out, out there, right, are willing to help as much as we could. If, if we couldn't, we're happy to get you connected. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. also I want to give an offer to your audience if, again, I have a podcast, so feel free to listen to No Degree Podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had all sorts of people talk about their career journeys. I've had people who worked at uh, large companies, like I have one of them who worked at Twitter, right, without a college degree. So they talk about how they moved up. And so, you know, I'm expanding that. And then also if they want to connect with me on LinkedIn, just, you know, search up my name. Mm -hmm. I'm more than happy. Just let me know you listen to, you know, this podcast. And I'm more than happy to sort of at least guide you in the right direction. Awesome, wonderful. I was just about to ask you how they can get connected with you. Yeah, I've done enough <laughs> podcasts that I, I, I know, I've done enough podcasts that I know that's coming next. <laughs> Thank you so much again, Jonette. Much appreciated your um, your time and efforts. And um, well, audience, <laughs> I look we look forward to talking with Jonette again. Um, hopefully soon in the near future. Yeah, I'm always Thank- here. Just I'm always a message away. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening. Again, this is Rise Up, AAPI Excellence. I am your host, Dr. Xuan Wang Wolf. You're welcome to connect with me via LinkedIn. Stay tuned for our next episode. Take care.